0: Good morning, my name is Jack and I am our Williamsburg location pastor. And I wanna thank you for being here this morning. If you're joining us online, thank you so much for uh, clicking online to watch us. And uh, for our Somerset guys, I'm glad you guys made it out too. And the uh, Snow, glad you're joining us today. Um, this series is uh, in week three today. And we have been in this series called uh, Questions Christians Don't Wanna Answer. And so when you get tapped to come speak on something that Christians don't wanna answer, well, I'm a Christian. Uh, but no, I'll answer a question today. I'm going to get there, all right? A uh, little little nerving, but I'm glad to be here with you today. And we've been in this series the last couple of weeks, and it's really really been a series to help us uh, with our faith. And it's a series that uh, many, if not most of us, grew up in an environment uh, where we were told what to believe, right? Especially if you're a little kid. You grow up in a home, that goes to church, you know, the parents are going to tell you what to believe, why you need to believe it. And even as we get older, we're often told sometimes that, hey, you don't need to question what you're told to believe just believe it, and it is what it is. And there's something left in us that's a little bit empty. It's just a little bit missing uh, of the questions that we may have or, or the rule we've been given or you fill in the blank. And uh, some of us were told not to waver, not even doubt, don't even throw some doubt in there. And consequently, through faith, through our experience at church, through those relationships or through what we were taught, um, we weren't sure that everything was certain or correct. I don't know if that's your story, it is my story. For some of us, it happened, and if you're like many of my friends, some of them have stepped away from faith in church. It wasn't until I was about nineteen till I began to kind of explore faith on my own, twenty years old, with some people impacting me, influencing me, and then discovering that, hey, you know what, I really don't I'm not sure what I believe, what I believe, that things began to change for me. And hopefully, as you take steps in your faith, you will explore faith in a fresh new way and discover things for yourself. And we shouldn't be content. The one thing we shouldn't be content, we should not be content with borrowed ideas that we have not explored. Believing because someone that we love or someone we trust to us or someone we love and trust to us, that may not be the best road we need to take. So the question we are getting to in this series is this, why do you believe what you believe? Why do you believe what you believe? You see, we we want to get to a place where we allow facts and truth to point us in a direction. We want it to point us in a direction to where we can determine what we believe is true or not. We may not believe something because we were told, but again, that's why we have to explore. We want to know usually the why to the what, correct? We want to know why. My kids all the time, when I tell them something, well, why daddy, why daddy, why daddy, why, why, why? And so sometimes you just get to the place where you're like, just because, you know, and so that happens as a parent. But here's what we're also wanting to do through this series too, was we wanna help you take a step, if you're a believer, to be able to defend your faith without losing your mind, right? Because sometimes that's a scary, scary proposition. Is it somebody's going to ask me a question I'm not prepared for, or it's going to put me in a place where, you know what, I've lived off borrowed ideas, and I really don't have a good reason for why I believe what I believe. And so this theory is going to help us get into there. Before we get to the question we got today, we're going to get some instruction. And the instruction is this from Peter. He says, always be prepared to give an answer. To everything. Not just somebody, but everyone who asks you to give the reason for what? The hope that you have. And sometimes we miss that last part for the hope that we have. Why do you believe what you believe? Can you tell me? Because I see some, maybe see something different in you, and I want to know why you have the hope you have. And this is not giving cheap shots. This is not throwing out cheap, costly statements that may harm a relationship. As a matter of fact, this, I don't even believe this. I don't even believe this is a us as Christians need to defend a six-day creation or was the ark real and Noah and and, and defending all of the decisions that Christians have horribly made all throughout history. And I don't even think it, it is about us answering for the weird Christians and maybe the moral, immoral Christians and the pastors that may have been on TV or whatever your experience is. I don't think that's what it's about. But defending our faith is in order that we would give hope, hope we have in what we believe and what we would say is Jesus Christ, the son of the risen Lord. And so, I'm 40 years old. I've been in ministry for about 15 years, a little over that. And I have to say that this question that we're going to explore today comes up all the time. It comes up all the time. It comes up in one form or another. It comes up in just about every circumstance and situation that we have that may not be going our way. And this question is why some people have walked away from faith. This is why some people have even questioned the existence of God. The question we're going to look at today is the reason why you and I struggle with maybe understanding the character and who God is. And so the question today comes out of a poll that went nationwide, and the question that was asked of people in this nation was this. If you could ask God one question, what would that question be? Before I give you that question, I want to say, just not too long ago, about 2008, Standing over my dad's casket, I had this question. Because you can't get away from it. And I'm telling you, I struggle with this question and the response to it and the why. And here's the question. Why is there pain and suffering in this world? And maybe you've heard it a different way. Maybe you've had the question and it's phrased this way. Why, or if God is good, why is there pain and suffering in this world? You see, one of the reasons people have asked if God exists is this very reason, because of the pain and suffering that we see, witness, and experience in this world. You see, this question is more than theoretical. It's more than philosophical. It's even a bit more than doctrinal or theological. This question gets to the heart of all of us. Why? Because of this. We feel it. We experience it. If you've breathed longer than one breath, you've experienced this in some form or another. But I wanna give us a little bit of uh, of instruction before we dive any deeper into this because today is gonna be tough. Today could be difficult if you are experiencing a bad, bad experience right now. You're going through something rough. You're questioning your faith. Maybe you've got a friend. Maybe you've got a family member and life is not good right now. And everybody's circumstance is a little bit different. So I wanna caution you with that, why? Because of the experience and because of the emotion that we put in it, sometimes we can't see through the fog of the emotion to see what is actually happening in life. You know that to be true, and I know that to be true. But I also want to say this: today is for everyone. It's for everyone, whether you have a Christian worldview or a, a non-Christian worldview, or whatever your view may be. So I hope you will lean in, and I want to give you a little bit of where I came to my why on this on this question. And what I've come to understand based on a lot of people that I've linked into, listened to, and based on some experience that I've had in my life. But I do want to make a statement this morning before we start, and that's this. Pain and suffering are not reasons to disregard God. This is a conclusion I got to, and it's very hard to get to, but I want to set that up this morning. Pain and suffering aren't, aren't reasons to disregard God. And if you'll hang on, we'll work through to some of that, okay? If you just hang on for a moment, we'll get there. But let me ask you a question as we get started this morning before we dive too deep into this. But here's the question. Let's go ahead and let it hit a little close. If you could, would you remove every bad thing in the world right now? Hang on. If you were given a platform and you could make a statement, or if you were given the proverbial button, would you push that button? Would you push a button to take care of all the bad things in this world right now? Would you hit it? But hang on just a second, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question before you push it. Have you ever done anything bad? Let me ask you another question. Have your kids ever done anything bad? Don't start testifying. <laughs> what about your mom or your dad? What about a boss or a coworker or a neighbor or a friend or a brother or a sister? Because you see, if this is a chief complaint. And the chief question towards God, why do you allow, if you're a good God, suffering and pain and justice and evil to happen in this world, are you really good? You see, the only way for God to remove our chief complaint, the only way for him to pull it back, (laughs) is to remove the complainers, right? It's the only way it can happen. And then it leaves no one to ask this question, but hang tight, we're going to get there. So if you could make that statement, if you could push that button, would you push it? Now, as you've thought about it for a second, I want to ask you some more questions. Let me ask you this one. Did you hesitate? What did you think about? Did you hesitate just for a moment, pushing that button, pinning that statement, getting that charge ready to eradicate bad things? Well, then let me ask you this question. Did you have a good reason to get rid of something bad, Or to not get rid of something bad. Because number three, if you now are getting uh, a good reason not to get rid of something bad, then the question is this, is it possible God also has a reason not to hit the button? You see, borrowed faith won't let us get to an answer because of the emotional side of it. And the fact is, sometimes we don't explore the why to the what because we sometimes are afraid of what we might actually discover on the side of the why. And there's some reasons why God has not hit the proverbial button yet. We know that because we've experienced it and we're here today. And there's some reasons why you hesitated. Because if you would hesitate to get rid of everything bad in this world, is it possible again that God might also not want to get rid of everything bad in this world? You see, Christians have always believed that suffering exists. They've always believed that. And Christians have always believed the reason why God hasn't pushed that button. You can look at history, you can look at our timeline, you can understand going all the way back to Christ why we believe it. And it's the same reason that I don't want to push the button, it's the same reason that God doesn't want to push the button, it's the same reason you don't want to push the button. You know why? Because I would have to get rid of everybody I know and love and I've ever met. I would have to get rid of me when I push that button. Some of y'all that know me, you're saying, push the button. I understand, (laughs) but hang on just a minute. You see, here's what happens. God is patient. He's patient with pain, evil, and hurt. God is patient. Why? I'm going to go ahead and give you the answer. Here's why. Because of you and me. He's patient. It doesn't hit the button because of you and me. You see, when we were created, we were created in the image of God and he gave us some characteristics and he gave us some things we can and can't do. And one of the biggest is he gave us a choice. He gave Adam and Eve a choice. One question, one statement, one command. Hey, don't eat of that tree, don't eat of that tree, don't eat of that tree. And here's the thing, the question I would pose this morning, wouldn't we like to go back to where there's this one question we have to avoid? But the problem is, we would never avoid it. Adam and Eve didn't avoid it, we wouldn't avoid it. And here's what a theologian I love, his name's Norm Geisler, but here's what he says about freedom. He said, force freedom is a contradiction. Well, no kidding, you can't force freedom. That's slavery or some other form of something. But forced freedom is a contradiction. You can't make your kids love you. I can't make my kids love me. You can't make your spouse love you. I can't make my spouse love me. I can't make even my mom and dad love me. It's a choice. Because evil cannot be destroyed without destroying free choice. It works itself out. Now we're going to work a little further into that. So what choice? You say, what choice? And what is the real choice? Here's the choice. To love and to choose what is good. That's our choice. And if God took care of evil, we lose this choice and it impacts you and it impacts me now peter's going to give us a little bit of instruction here and, and start to open up a little bit now today we're going to hopefully just open the door back maybe step through it hopefully lay a foundation to the why because the emotional side sometimes we got to work through some things before we can get really hard to the why but i'm going to get at least try to get us somewhere today and here's what peter's going to instruct us to do he's going to say the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. What promise? Well, hang on. As some understand slowness, instead he is patient with you, not wanting you to perish, but that everyone would come to what? Repentance. So let me talk about repentance for a second. Here's God, here's me. My choice is for me and there's God. When I turn and go to him and choose him, that is repentance. It's simple. I choose to love you over whatever was over here for me. I choose you. And he chose me. You see, God is patient. He wants the best for you and for me. So question, would you push the button? Because here was some of the hesitation a minute ago when you held back on just smashing it down. You may have had a thought like, well, (laughs) what's too bad? How bad is bad? What really constitutes evil? Injustice, hurt. Because if, if I get to make the rules and I can take care of everybody around me. And see what happens for us as believers is hypocrisy begins to slide into our life. Hypocrisy, when we're dealing with evil and pain, and whether we have a Christian or a Christian worldview or not. You see, hypocrisy. Looks like this, maybe I don't know you really well, but you call the church and I get the phone call. Hey, Jack, just got diagnosed with cancer. Brother, we're praying for you. I'm so sorry that you're going through that. I don't know you, I feel for you, but that's the circumstance, it is what it is. Now, I get a call from my doctor. Jack, you've got cancer. Oh, I'm shaking, I'm rattled. My world's turned upside down. I'm losing hope. I'm questioning God. I'm questioning existence. Why would you let this happen? Why, 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 why? You see, when it's distant from us, we can handle it. I'm sorry. I can pray for you, but when it gets to us, a bit of our hypocrisy. Which is we don't like pain and suffering either. But when I'm not having to deal with it, it's not personal to me. Hmm. I can be okay with it. But here's what you know and I know: people that are going through stuff, they're struggling. Pain and suffering is pain and suffering. That's why we call it pain and suffering. If it affects you and not me, that's okay. Because the only time it affects somebody else that it affects me is when it's somebody close to me that I love, that I know, that I care about. And that's just the truth and the reality. If it affects you, I'm sorry. But if it affects me, then I, I got doubt. I don't know about God. I'm going to walk away. I want to turn my back. He wasn't good. He wasn't there. And these are the questions. And every time I sit with somebody in a situation, have a counseling moment, something happens directly with me, these questions always fester up. And there's a reason. There's something in us that boils these up. And it's not necessarily negative, but there's, there's, a, there's a reason why that happens. It affects you and it affects me. And if we're honest, here's what we want to do. We want to go and get some help. And we want to go get a can of justice, <laughs> right? So it doesn't affect everybody. I want a can of justice. I, you run just to me. I got you. You hurt that kid. I got you. You mistreated your wife. Ha. You talked bad about my mom. I got you. <laughs> Your mama, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and you know what? It smells good up here. Doesn't justice smell good? I mean, it just smells good, right? And, w- and we want to do that. And we want to spray justice and, and get it right real quick. Because we want it to impact our moment to take care of the pain and suffering. But then there are things that there's sometimes we just want to take care of some bad stuff, right? That drug dealer selling drugs to the kids at the playground. The sex trafficker, gotcha. A drug head, meth head, (laughs) and you wanna play those games. And then we quickly forget that we're impacted by the same thing. But here's the thing, here's the thing, here's the key. I want to hold the cans. Guess who I don't want to hold the cans? (laughs) You. Because what you would call unjust and what you would call bad may eradicate me. And I'm not going to let you have my cans. And the bottom line is, we really don't want somebody to have the cans. We don't want God to have the cans. We don't want Him to spray these cans, do we? We want the God that is good, graceful, loving, merciful. We don't want God's finger on the trigger or on the button. So let me ask you a question this morning. Let's just get real in here. Online, you could participate in Somerset. Somerset. Raise your hand if you've ever been unjust to someone, you've hurt someone, or you've just been downright bad to them. My hands are up. <laughs> gotcha. Right? But that's why we hesitated a minute ago, because now we've got to be the moral police and figure out what is just, unjust, right, wrong, bad, indifferent. And you see, it's moments, it's moments, that we get in and our emotion gets high and pain and suffering is real, that we want to grab a can. But we know, we know aerosol justice is no justice at all. And taking care of things that are bad with some aerosol spray is not going to solve the problem. Because what we discover when we take a moment back and we step back and we think about the problem of evil and suffering, this is what we have to conclude i can't be god because the standard i hold to you is the standard i have to hold to me and i can't meet that standard frank turret wrote in one of his books dealing with unbelief and uh, a bunch of different subjects he said this about wanting to be god he said when we want to be our own gods we're not open to accepting the true god you see when pain and suffering are real our judgment gets clouded, our mind gets clouded, and when we've lived off borrowed faith or no faith at all, we have no reason to the why. And when we have no reason to the why, we begin to ask all these questions. Why does it happen? Why does it happen? Why does it happen to me? Why does it happen to me? Why does it happen to me? Who determines what pain is? Do you? Do you want me to? Who determines what bad is? You? Me? What's considered evil? Because here's what I know. If evil exists, that means good exists. Right? So Norm Gosler is going to give us a little thing to help us right here. He said, God is all good and desires to defeat evil. That's a good thing. God is all powerful and is able to defeat evil. That's an even better thing. Evil is not yet defeated. Why? It's an observation because we experience it in this world. Therefore, it one day will be defeated That's his conclusion by looking to God to a moral authority And there was another guy that did this he's a guy that many of you may know he's a guy that wrote incredible books He's a literary giant of uh, yesterday uh, His books have been incredibly impactful. I love a lot of them uh, We're going to talk a little bit about one of them called mere Christianity David C.S. Lewis He was an atheist turned theist turned Christian And he struggled with this idea of evil and pain and suffering. As a matter of fact, it's a struggle that's going to lead him not to Jesus or God yet, but it's at least going to move him from being an atheist believing that there's no moral authority, no God, and it's going to lead him to being a theist. He wrote some great books like the Screwtape Letters, the Chronicles of Narnia, the Great Divorce, all those books. I highly recommend anything with his name on it. I would grab it and read it. But Lewis is going to give us a couple of illustrations here in just a minute that's going to help us understand this idea of something in us that just raises up in us, that we know things aren't right, that we know good and evil is here, and what do we do about it? And does God really exist? And he's going to help us with that. He, he moved from being, again, this atheist to being this theist. He wanted to know where this ought and this ought not feeling inside. You ought to do that and you ought not to do that. Because what he discovered thinking through it for himself is that he didn't invent it. And nobody taught him. And nobody gave it to him. And as a matter of fact, the world hadn't agreed with him that there should be some odds and some ought nots. So he started to conclude that if it didn't come from me, then where did it come from? And if it didn't come from inside of me and it didn't come from somebody else, it had to come from somewhere. And so he began to understand through injustice and through sin in the world, he recognized there was a moral force somewhere out there. And so he began to explore this. And he began to look for it. And he began to dive deeper into it. And this is what our next slide's gonna say. As C.S. Lewis, he says this in his book, Mere Christianity, he says quarreling, let me give you an example of quarreling, fighting with one another, getting loud with one another. Quarreling means trying to show that the other man is in the wrong. And there is no sense in trying to do that unless you and he had some sort of agreement as to what right and wrong are. Does that make sense? So basically, Unless you settle down on what the ought and the ought not to be, then you can't really have a quarrel, and it's useless to quarrel unless you know what the ought and the ought not to be. So who sets the standard for the ought and the ought not? You ought to do this, and you ought not to do this. My kids know it. Even without me telling them some rules or doing whatever, they know there's some things in them that they should and should not do. There's some things in me that I know that I should and should not do. And so he gets to this point, and he wanted to know where this standard came from, and so he's going to give us one more illustration that got him there. In Mere Christianity, he says, Supposing you hear a cry for help from a man in danger, you will probably feel two desires. One, a desire to give help due to your hurt instinct. The other, a desire to keep out of danger due to the instinct for self-preservation. You see, there's something in you and there's something in me that when we are thinking about this idea of pain and evil, there's something when it comes up and we think about suffering and what it looks like, there's something in us, there's something in all of us that recognizes that we either need to help or we need to stay away from danger. Right? You've been there and you've done that. But he goes on to finish it up. But he says, but, but you, you will find inside of you in addition To these two impulses a third thing which tells you that you ought to follow the impulse to help And suppress the impulse to run away This is what got Lewis From an atheist to a theist and eventually to being a Christian Is this problem of pain and suffering you see in our Western culture pain and suffering takes on a different form For most of the world they embrace it because they see it as a reality that just is. And that they're looking for something better. You know, for me, when I came to faith in God, I was just looking for something better. It was a basic desire and a want for me. Lewis' argument of a moral lawgiver is a struggle for all of us sometimes because, again, our emotions get involved. But then you say, wait a minute, that, that, that takes care of the person. But th- there's more than just what happens with people Sure, there's another assumption. We all know this one, too. The world is broken. The world is broken. When we see somebody go through a catastrophic catastrophic event like a hurricane a tornado, which hit here some years ago and impacted maybe even some of you in this room or watching online, these events impact it, and you say, why does God allow this to happen? That ought not to be. You see, the world's broken. We recognize that. Christians have embraced that. They believed it in our world. Here's why they believed it, and here's why you and I believe it as a Christian. I want to give this to you because I don't know when I was taught or when I discovered it for myself, but there was some intuition to it, and it just makes sense. You see, the world. The current world is not the final version. This is not reality forever, but it is the best path to the best possible world that is coming. And it's the best path, and we know that, and that rests in us. And it's, sometimes it's not the most overassuring thing because we want it now, we want it in the moment, and we want pain, and we want suffering, and we want it just to go away, we want to spray the aerosol on it. But the best possible world is a world where men and women are free to sin but freely choose not to. Because to see for God to pull pain, evil, and suffering out and push a button, he destroys us all. You see, the best possible world... Acknowledges good and evil and chooses not to take part in its self-destructive behavior That's what love does it chooses the best for you and for me And it gives us the freedom to help One another it gives us the freedom to say no It gives us the freedom to worship it gives us the freedom to imagine a world where mankind through pain suffering consequence and evil and it lets us imagine the current world, even though it's flawed, to be in the best version uh, possible that it could be. Because we know this world is here to be a conduit to world to come. That God had a plan for us. And God understood our pain and he understood our suffering. Let me give you an example from my house. So my little girl, Karis has a wonderful scar on the back of her arm. Probably have it the rest of her life. We had taught her that when irons are on, you don't touch a hot iron. Well, she was kind of obeying that that day. There was an ironing board up an iron sitting on that or on an appliance next to our washer and dryer. However, she did have a rule that she wasn't supposed to climb on the washer and dryer. But for some reason that day, while the iron was on and hot, she decided she needed to climb on the washer and dryer. And while climbing on the washer and dryer, when she went to push herself up, she bumps the hot iron and she has a beautiful pointed iron mark on the back of her arm right now. now. Being the great parent that I am and my wife, we sit down with her and she got five weeks of chores and she had to write, I will not climb, I will not climb. No, no. But I can tell you what she hasn't done again. She hasn't climbed on a piece of furniture where there's a, or an appliance where there's a hot iron because she might get hurt. She knows the impact. Which leads me to this, we all know innately in us when we do something we don't need to do to someone else. And we can recognize injustice in some form in the world when we see it. Pain, hurt, suffering. You see, our current world, it isn't the best. We know that. But it's the best to get us to the best world ever. And Paul's going to kind of share and open up a little bit of the curtain for us here. In Romans chapter 8. Paul says, I consider that our present sufferings, sufferings. Do you know what Paul suffered? He suffered a lot. You know that when he became a follower, he was often <laughs> facing suffering moments and times. As a matter of fact, do you know that when Jesus stepped into the Roman world, he entered a world of suffering against his people? Do you know that suffering, evil, pain, and hurt is prevalent? And Paul says this. He says, I suffer, but I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be, that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation. We want it. We need it. We want pain, suffering. We want it all to go away, and we would take it away if we could. Why? Because we expect for the children of God be revealed this thing you see for the creation was subjected to frustration not by its own choices but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope in hope in the hope that you and I have that things are not always fair I can't stand when my kids use the argument well that's not fair because they don't understand what fair means they don't want fair when fair works itself out you and I don't want fair We don't want God to get a hold of the aerosol cans and you don't want me to hold it and I don't want you to hold it. We don't want fairness. But we do want what is true and right and good. You see, sin entered this world through the garden through a bad decision that our ancestors made. And when it entered the garden, it just didn't enter there. It entered the whole world. And it's impacting it day in and day out. We know something is wrong and needs to be changed. It's innate in us, but something on the macro level, the big level is where it's got to happen. It can't happen on an aerosol level. It has to happen there. And here's what he's going to say in 821. That the creation itself will be liberated. Will be what? Liberated. Will be set free from its bondage to what? Decay. (laughs) Do you know you're decaying right now? (laughs) I'm here to encourage you this morning. You know, I'm decaying. This cold weather really proved it to me. There was a few mornings I got up after a 40-year-old getting on a bobsled or a sled and rolling over and doing everything else that my joints told me, you're old and you're decaying when I got up in the morning. It happened. It just happened this week. Matter of fact, when I got up this morning, it happened this morning. I'm not going to lie. For some of us, it happens every time we sit down and stand up. It just happens. But we're decaying, buildings are decaying, the world's decaying, things are falling apart. We know that it's got an end in sight. We know that we have an end in sight. And Paul says the entire planet is under this curse, that nothing, there's nothing, and here's the thing, there's nothing emotionally satisfying about it, it's just reality. But it's in you and it's in me that there's gotta be something better, and we can be better. You see, I've gotten to travel a little bit throughout my life, and I've been to a few places where I've seen things that have kind of shaken me a little bit because it's not the normal day in and day out. Some years back, I got to go to Peru with a group of people from another location, and, and that year we particularly were there was after an earthquake had hit and drove a lot of people out of some mountains down into an area. It was pretty sad because Husbands had to leave for months at a time, were never around their wife and the kids, and the wife and the kids just had these rickety huts. If they had a tarp or if they had some kind of grass skirting or whatever to put up to keep them safe from the elements, that was like a huge deal. And if a water truck came by day in and day out, and if the kids had food at least once a week, it was just a win. And there was something about that you said, that's not right. I can help you. Let me help you. Traveling in Poland some years ago, I stepped on to a concentration camp for the first time and and saw the atrocities that were poured out on a human being in masses. And you feel the pain and the suffering in that moment. And you're like, why does this happen? But there's a God that can do something about it. And if you got up this morning and you pulled open your social media and you saw the newspaper feeds and the headlines, it was probably riveted with nasty things that have happened. Somebody wrecked, somebody died, somebody got shot, there was a terrorist attack, da da da, da on, and on 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 and on. And on. So what do we do with this? What do we do with it? We come to this conclusion. The pain and suffering is not the absence of God. It is the evidence of the fact that things aren't right and need to be better. And just be okay with that. That gets us to a foundation. Because here's what I want you to do this morning. I know some of us are suffering. You're getting ready to go through it. You've been through it. You've been through hell on earth. But here's what I want you to do. If you can pull back some of the emotion a little bit, and a little bit of the fog, here's what I want you. To do. Don't confuse life with God. Don't confuse this life with God. God doesn't want this for you. He wants the best for you. He wants what's right for you and good. But there there was a limitation to it, and so he couldn't push the button. Because if God removed evil from the world, this is the reminder again from the beginning, he would have to start with me and eliminate me. It was a no-win for me. The pain and suffering, if he eliminates it, it's still not a win for me and you. You see, we are designed by our creator to live in a world without sin and death. That's how he created it. And it's why we long for beauty, justice, love, and peace, because we know that there's something better coming. Something better coming. You see, in the garden, God could have changed Adam and Eve. He could have made them robots. He could have just destroyed them, wiped them out. could have done it. But you see, He would have sacrificed the greater good. This is the greater good. That He would have a loving relationship with you and me and all of humanity because he chose to love us and he wants us to choose to love him. Here's what the next one says, the Christian God. I'm speaking about the Christian God, Jesus is God. He's not distant and he's not removed from human suffering. You see, God experienced human existence, identified, empathized, suffered with, us and is for us, and his name is Jesus." You see, Christianity comes on the scene, and unlike most of the world and the religions that existed at that time, there was none of them that had a God that stepped into their world. They were all distant gods, the gods of the Romans, the Hellenistic gods, the Greek gods, and they were gods that wanted to bring destruction because of our bad choices, but God decided to show that he... Was the loving God, and He stepped out of heaven and came to earth in the form of Jesus so that we knew that we could have a hope and a future. James would say it like this consider it when you face trials of many kinds, the testing, this is Jesus's brother, the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Why? So that you can be mature and complete. The good news is, even through the pain and suffering, good can come out of it. Good can come out of it. And in 2008, when I was dealing with the death of my dad, I was reminded of something that was written in Ecclesiastes, and I think it's something that rests in us, just like this ought and this ought not, this right and this wrong, this desire to do well for others. It was this. God has put eternity in man's heart. You see, we were created in his image. And even though sin has fouled us up, even though sin has hurt us and our bodies decay, and even though we exist in the form in which we exist today, there is still a part of the creator in us, this ought and this ought not. And he says this, I've got an eternity coming. Now, I don't know where we land today to satisfy everybody in this room, but I know where I can land today where I can at least satisfy us in certain moments. And it would be to reiterate and to throw back And push back on evil. And just be reminded with what John penned as he's exiled on the island of Patmos. All of his buddies are dead. All the disciples are gone. And it's him and he's writing. And he sees a revelation from Jesus. And here's what he pens. Come, Lord Jesus. Pain and suffering is going to be as long as this world exists. But it's not because a good God allows it. Because a good God has pulled back the reins so that you and I could meet his son Jesus and experience his grace and his love and his hope. Because if he would have pushed the button and started over, we wouldn't be here today having this conversation. If he would have pushed the button, it would have just been him. But he didn't. He wanted to redeem humanity to himself, so he sent his son to die, to suffer, to empathize, and to let us know that God loves us so much that he would step into our shoes to show us that together all things, not some, not part, but all things, work together for the good of those who love have been loved, and will be loved, because God is good. Let's pray with me. Lord, we are thankful. We know that today may not be all overly emotionally satisfying for us, but we have a hope that is built in you, into the Creator of the universe that pulled back the reins, that didn't eradicate evil, but it exists with good in order that we would hopefully one day see the Savior, Jesus Christ, who stepped out of heaven, who stepped into this world, that walked in our shoes, who experienced everything that we talked about today in order that we could have hope in a future. God, it would be my prayer that anybody watching online, anybody in Somerset, that anybody in this room today that if they have struggled with faith and doubt, that they would at least take a step forward to explore faith in you. And maybe today they would say, you know what, I've been fighting it. I've been running from it. It had never been satisfied, but today I I know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the Lord, and I want him to be my savior. And maybe today you'll ask Jesus to be your savior. And then Lord, I wanna pray for all of us in here that are going through some kind of moments of pain and suffering and hurt. You do know those pains and the suffering that is happening. And you're there with us. And Lord, I pray that you would be with them, be with all of us. I pray that you would wrap us in your peace and your love. You are good, even when we are not. And I am thankful in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I want to thank you for being here for week three. Let me remind you, if you'd love to sign up to serve or that you've got a question about faith or maybe you made a decision to follow Christ, please check out Next Steps out there. We have some awesome volunteers Uh, today. We love you. Thank you for joining us from Somerset Online. Listen, everybody have a great week and we'll see you back next week for part four.